0: Hello there, welcome to Wednesday's Richie Allen Radio Show. That's a bit better, isn't it? How are you doing? Hope you're well. It's January 10th, 2023. At 2024, I managed to go 10 days. 10 days without screwing it up. It is, of course, 2024. I'm Richie Allen, and it is lovely to be with you.
1: Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show.
2: It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now here's your host Richie Allen.
0: Yeah, I'm delighted to welcome back to the program Karen Churchill. Karen is the regular. She hasn't been on with us for quite some time. Karen is taking legal action along with Neil McDougall against the Secretary of State for Health and the Secretary of State for for levelling up housing and communities, for the failure to implement public health protection measures as 5G is rolled out across the UK. Karen is taking them to court. Uh, This is hugely important and very interesting. She'll join the programme a little bit later on, uh, this hour, in about a half an hour's time to talk about that. And in the second hour, I've invited my friend Dean Henderson, the author the commentator, the geopolitical commentator, wonderful guy Dean, friend of ours for many, many years. I've invited him on to look ahead to 2024. What's coming? What can we expect this particular year? Dean Henderson will be live in our two. That will be Wednesday's programme. And as I've already mentioned many, many, many times, there is an app. Download the app, send a message to me directly to the studio. If you can't do that or don't want to do it, use the website where it says Comment Live, Comment Live. Comment live. Have your say. Roll up and all of that old crack. I'm going to start with this. I only saw this late this afternoon, but it's important that I read it out to you. It is the BBC uh, website. Jim Reid is a health reporter for the BBC. Jim Reid is reporting this afternoon, and I want you to listen up because it's important, the Covid Quiry, which is being chaired by Baroness Hallett, which is a load of old Hosh and um, will not will not start hearing evidence about the development of vaccines and other drugs this summer as was originally planned.
1: Surprise, surprise. Yeah. The unexpected hits you between the eyes
0: Go on, Scylla. The
1: unpredictable.
0: Well that's surprise, a surprise you see. Surprise,
2: surprise. Yes.
0: Once, Baroness Hallett, who said, <laughs> who was chairing the inquiry, announcing that we won't be hearing evidence about how the jabs were developed and other drugs, she said, we, we recognised the decision would be disappointing for some. Oh, shut up, you tart. Yes, shut up. More time is needed to prepare For a separate investigation into the impact of COVID on the NHS. We need much more time before we start talking about how they rushed the jabs into existence. I've asked Sylvester Stallone for a comment. It stinks. It stinks. It absolutely stinks, but it's unsurprising. It's unsurprising. You know, this COVID 19 inquiry chaired by baroness hallett is going to continue to hear evidence until sometime in twenty 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 six. 2026 <laughs> but but now they're saying it might even go beyond that we could be old and gray i'm old i can't be too gray because i don't have a hair on my head god love me but we could be very old very infirm very weak and frail by the time they come back and say, we've decided, we've we've reached our conclusion after 26 and a half years of looking into the COVID-19, we've decided we should have locked down sooner. That's what they're going to say. Yeah, no, no hearings on the vaccine development. There are tens of thousands of women, of men, and even of children in this country who are badly injured or worse by the COVID jabs. And I suppose God love them and their families. They're not surprised by this. We'll leave that there. I'm sure you have an opinion on it. Share it with me via the website, via the app. What do you think? You know, if you've been injured by a COVID jab, are you devastated? Did you know better? You knew better? You knew they wouldn't really investigate it? Okay. Let's um, let's just drop that. Okay, doke Now, we'll start today. We won't start with it, but th- there is blanket coverage, as I mentioned, on the Papers podcast earlier of the post office scandal. Now, it is a story. It is a human interest story. It's the kind of thing we like to watch when we go on Netflix or when we go on Prime or when we go on, I don't know, Paramount. We like these true crime dramas. We like this stuff, right? This is a good story. It's juicy. Hundreds of postmasters and postmistresses were wrongfully convicted of fraud. They were accused of dipping their pinkies in the till and stealing. Now, they didn't do it. Some of these poor people went to prison. Some of them received suspended sentences. Okay, and that must be horrendous. And it all came down to technology, IT, a programme and some hardware developed by Fujitsu, a programme given the name Horizon which was used in these post offices. This was at fault. And it was known for years. And nobody gave a rat's ass about the wrongfully convicted. But then, ITV... I'm not, I shouldn't say that. One or two independent journalists did care. Alright, there was a woman who wrote for a computer or a computing magazine years ago, who did care and did write about it. But largely, the political class and the mainstream media didn't give a damn about these people. But then ITV produced a drama starring people like Toby Jones and Will Mellor, and suddenly everybody's interested. Now, I'm a cynic, so maybe you're not a cynic. Maybe you can put me back in my box. You can set me straight, right? So Rishi Sunak has announced that there will be a law to deal with, with this. A law which will allow the government to exonerate everybody wrongfully convicted in one fell swoop. I think this is important, not individually. Like, individually, the victims wouldn't, you know, if it was done case by case, if there were 600 people wrongfully convicted, each individual victim would go to court, would be able to hold their head high, while a judge says something along the lines of, The conviction is unsafe, it's unsound, it is without merit. You, Mr. Smith, or you, Ms. Jones, you are innocent and the court hereby apologises. So that's how it would or should happen. But this would be a mass exoneration and mass compensation, all tied up neatly and done very quickly. This would be new, this would be a precedent. And I'd like to ask you, because you have an imagination just like I do, How could that new law be applied in the future? Who would benefit if such legislation was introduced to allow any government to absolve a large group of people or exonerate them from something they had been convicted, um, for, for, for something which they had been convicted of? Who could benefit in the future? Just a thought, you know, call me a cynic. I'd love to see all of these poor postmasters and postmistresses exonerated and given a large chunk of money to compensate them for the humiliation and the misery and the incarceration. But this is an interesting new law. Who might benefit in the future if any government could just say that group of people convicted of that crime are absolved, exonerated instantly? I don't know. What do you think? Listen, Piers Morgan has interviewed the brother of Jeffrey Epstein, the billionaire financier who a lot of people believe was working for intelligence agencies. Mossad maybe. Maybe the National Security Agency. Maybe the CIA. Maybe he was working for multiple intelligence agencies. What it is believed, it is believed that Epstein was um, bringing the, the, the allegedly powerful or most powerful people, politicians, right, celebrities, um, I don't know, uh, uh, other very wealthy people, bringing them to his island and elsewhere, plying them with drink and maybe drugs and lots of young girls and wiring the places for sound and vision and filming these people. So that is what most people believe today. It seems to be pretty 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 accepted now. But um, you know that when he was incarcerated in New York, awaiting trial, it was announced that he had committed suicide. And the circumstances were bizarre. So Piers Morgan reached out to this guy, Mark Epstein, and the first question he asked him was, what did Mark know? You were his brother. What did you know about his crimes?
1: Well, back in 2006 when he first got into trouble he told me that he was getting into trouble you know for uh, what he was doing and uh, so so i knew from early on what was happening i uh, uh yeah so I, he told me early on
3: did you know the scale of it i mean obviously he had that conviction he served time in in prison but the sheer scale yeah, I, I, of what is has emerged I made, it real
1: since. Clear, I made it real clear. I'm not discussing anything about my brother's charges against him. I have nothing to do with that. I wasn't involved. I have no mm. more information. The only thing I'm interested in discussing is the circumstances surrounding his murder.
3: Okay, well, you say it's a murder. Obviously, it was ruled as suicide. Why do you believe that's not true? Good question.
1: Well, first, the, the actual pathologist who did the autopsy... Uh, did not determine it was a suicide. They couldn't, they said it looked more like a homicide. But on the death, on the initial death certificate, on the cause of death, it said pending, meaning pending further investigation, which is proper. And then a few days later, you know, Bill Barr claims it was a suicide. And then the chief pathologist of New York, who did not see the body, claims it's a suicide. So the point, the question becomes, What investigating was done in a matter of days to make them come out with that determination? And it turns out that because it was called a suicide, there doesn't seem to have been an investigation, because if you declare somebody died by suicide, there's really nothing to investigate. The only questions about a suicide is, how did they do it? Did they hang themselves? Did they shoot themselves? Did they jump out of a window? And that's a pretty obvious answer at the time of the death. So there's no investigation was done.
0: No investigation was done. And then Morgan asks Mark Epstein, Epstein's brother, to give him the fine details. What are the, the individual elements of the suicide or the, the individual details which are most disturbing? And he gives an interesting answer.
1: First of all, for four years we were trying to find out what position his body was in when he was found. Because that, that's very telly. Uh, but we couldn't find out because they moved his body after he was found, uh, to the infirmary of the prison. When the EMTs were called and they got to the prison, he was already dead in the infirmary. Understand something. He had been dead for at least two hours before he was found.
0: This is true. I've looked this up.
1: That's what the autopsy showed. And that's not a question. That's a fact. He could have been dead for six hours, or at least two. And he was
0: on suicide watch, Epstein, meaning that he should have been monitored 24-7. He should have had somebody annoying him, flashing a flashlight into his cell pretty much every few minutes. But he was dead for two hours before he was discovered. This is obviously problematic, right?
1: Now, they said in the DOJ report that finally came out that he was found hanging. They said he was in a seated position with his legs extended in front of him. And when he was tied to the top bunk, and when they either cut him or tore him down, his buttocks was an inch and a a half off the ground, which if you picture that, it means basically his entire body weight or the bulk of his body weight was hanging by the neck. Yes, there was probably some weight on his feet at the end of his legs, but the bulk of his body was hanging. So the mark on his neck left by the ligature is in the middle of his neck and goes straight back. If he was hanging as they said, the ligature would have you know, slid up high up under his chin and then went up back sort of behind his ears, up to the whatever he was tied to. So the ligature mark on his neck is inconsistent with the way they describe him. And another important thing is that when you die, when a person dies, you know, their blood isn't circulating anymore. And what happens, the blood starts to settle in the body to the lowest point. Gravity just takes the blood, you know, through the tissue. So you get A pooling of the blood under the skin which which is why they tell you to never move a dead body because they can tell a lot of things if you find a dead body laying on its face and the back has this lividity of pooled blood that means the body died on its back and somebody eventually turned it over so if you picture the way they describe jeffrey as hanging well he should have lividity in in the back of his legs and in his buttocks, which was the lowest part of his body.
0: Okay. The family hired a pathologist, whose name escapes me, but a, a respected pathologist, who had a look at the notes and reviewed everything that was made available to the family, and he concluded that it couldn't have been a suicide, that he had to have been murdered. It,
3: if he, it, let me ask you this. If he didn't take his own life, who yeah. do you think took it? Who killed him, in your oh, it's, estimation? It's a,
1: it's a good question. You know, Bill Barr said that no one went in there out of the Kia, so he concluded it was a suicide. But there were something like 11 or 12 other prisoners on that tier that could have went in and killed him. Now, if another prisoner killed him, it's sort of why would they go to the extent to cover it up? You know, it's like if, if you remember the case of Whitey Bulger is in prison. And he got killed by three other inmates. Well, I got the guy... Yeah, who- the
0: other inmates who were incarcerated on the same block as Epstein have not... The names of these people have not been released to the family or to any investigators so that these people can be questioned as to what they might have heard or what they might have seen. So that's interesting. We'll wrap this up with this.
3: So let, me was, you, Edith? Edith, let me ask you, Mark Epstein, let me ask you. Do you believe... Obviously, Jeffrey, your brother had uh, relationships friendships with many many of the most rich famous powerful people in the world do you believe yeah. that you know if it's, let's take this this theory to uh, a conclusion here do you think that one of those people who may have had a vested interest in shutting him up and not talking about what he knew about them potentially may have played a part in his death stupid questions. Yeah,
0: that is a stupid question. Obviously, Mark Epstein says, yes, yes, I do. I believe that somebody who may have been embarrassed by knowledge that was held by Jeffrey Epstein may have killed him. That is a stupid question by Piers Morgan. That's the obvious answer. Uh, This is the Richie Allen Show. The time is coming up for 17 minutes past the hour of four o'clock. I'm Richie Allen. Karen Churchill will be with me shortly to talk about taking the fight to the government in court about rolling out 5G without first ensuring that it is safe for people when people are exposed to it. You don't want to miss her. And later on, Dean Henderson will be live from the Ozarks on this programme Wednesday, the 10th of January 2024. Get it right. Get it right. And Carolyn Waterford, hello Carolyn Waterford, thank you. I did post this on Twitter. It's important, this. It is important. It's important. Um, it's important but unsurprising, and it isn't new, but it's important that we remind people what's going on. A woman called Caroline Pover, who lives in Sirencester, she's in her early 50s, she's 52, it's Car- is Caroline, um, she's been speaking exclusively to the Mail Online, and she's had a terrible, terrible reaction to the AstraZeneca jab, okay, and she has told the Mail Online that it has ruined her life effectively. And that she's been speaking about what happened to her on Facebook, but Facebook has been censoring it, has been deleting her posts and she's been threatened with having her account pulled just for talking about a reaction she had to the AstraZeneca jab. Facebook prevented her from sharing this story and restricted her access to her own account. Amazing that in the Mail Online today. Not amazing. This has been happening since 2020, of course. But on the same day, they announced that the COVID inquiry has postponed hearing evidence about the development of the jabs. It won't happen this summer. The evidence is originally planned. It uh, is likely to happen sometime after the next general election. You see, these people are shameless, dearest of listeners. These are shameless people now. The gloves are off. The mask is off. They're not trying to hide their agendas anymore. There is no attempt anymore to cover up these agendas we talk about on this programme, Agenda 2030, The Great Reset. They're not wasting their time covering it up anymore. It's out there now in plain view. Plain view. And you want to talk about it on Facebook? Well, we'll delete you. We'll delete you. I had an email today let me just bring it up. I get one of these every couple of weeks. Now, it doesn't matter. It's not about me. Don't think for a minute this is about me. It is not. Um, because this is everybody. Don't think it is about me. It is not. It's a an email I received from YouTube. I get one every few days. Hi, Richie Allen. We wanted to let you know our team reviewed your content and we think it violates our medical misinformation policy. There's an email sent today at 10 minutes past 2, the 10th of January. Now, I haven't uploaded a video to YouTube in over three years. Why? Because I've, I've been blocked. It doesn't allow me to upload to YouTube. I have, the account is there, but it doesn't allow me. They have deleted the radio show from Friday, November 27th, 2020, which would have been an extra programme. Friday. Presumably I did the program on Friday because maybe I took a a day off during the week. That's usually why I would do that. So Friday, November 27, 2020. YouTube doesn't allow content that poses a serious risk of egregious harm by spreading medical misinformation about currently administered vaccines that are approved and confirmed to be safe and effective by the WHO. We don't allow egregious harm. So this is over three years later. Three years and three months. They're deleting videos. They're backdating, deleting uh, programs. Now, I didn't check. um, But I'm guessing I featured somebody on that program. A doctor or a scientist who was warning basically four weeks before the rollout of the COVID jabs, I'm pretty sure I had a doctor on warning people not to take the MRNA jabs. It has taken YouTube three and a half years to delete it. And that is what Google slash YouTube is doing now. It's what Facebook is doing now. It's a program. It's a joint venture, right? It is an initiative and all of the social media companies are involved, even Twitter. Don't... Don't start with this. Thank you, Elon Musk. Thank you for unblocking people. Don't buy into that bollocks, please. Please don't. Um, they're going to erase everything that happened in the last three, four, five years. Three years, four years. They will erase it. It will not be um, accessible online. All of the videos, not just on the Richie Allen show. The Richie Allen show is just one bloody show. But everybody's, anybody who has a show with, with, with a decent following, And they might have had a scientist on, they might have had a biologist on. All of this stuff is steadily disappearing off of the internet. And I hear you, and I think, if I hear you correctly, I hear you, I say you are gullible. Oh, Richie, uh, we have BitChute now, and uh, we have Telegram. You're gullible. You're gullible. These are Trojan horses. These are Trojan horses. You know, Anyway, look, enough, enough, enough. I don't want to fall out with you so early in the programme, because I know you don't like it when I say these things. But um, anyway, hello to Steph. Hi, Steph. What struck me, says Steph, about the post office scandal immediately, was every victim thought they were on their own and powerless. Uh, the same tactics used by the government on the unvaccinated. That's an interesting um, way of seeing it, Steph. Yeah, it's a good point, that. Hello to Ray. Hello, Ray. Um, I don't know why you're talking about Ray. He, he, he mentions another content creator. I have no idea. Uh, Carol says, Richie, um, Facebook prevent... Yeah, that's right. I've seen that story. Hello to Kay, who says, Richie, I suspect it's the people who are excluded from society, put under house arrest or even jailed for not taking an mRNA jab who would benefit from this legislation. And this is the government proposal to exonerate all of the postmasters and postmistresses at the same time in one fell swoop and say, right, here's your compensation. Um, job done. Let's wipe that one away now and uh, let's move on. Uh, Ray came on to say, the new law could exonerate soldiers, protesters kettled and convicted, drivers convicted by faulty speeding cameras, you less fined. It's interesting that Ray and 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 even Kay reckon that it could be used for good but you see I, I i reckon that it wouldn't be used for the great unwashed that in fact it might be used for 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 those who 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 hold power anyway look it's 24 minutes past the hour i'm going to take a tune when we come back more of your comments and we'll be joined by Karen Churchill remember dean henderson is on the program a bit later on it's good to be with you this wednesday so it is Yeah, music from you too. all that you can't leave behind is the album, the song is Walk On, the time is 28 and a half minutes past the hour of 4 o'clock. Dean Henderson will join me a little bit later on. Now Karen Churchill is no stranger to this programme and it's lovely to welcome her back uh, to talk about uh, two things, obviously the action, but there is a GoFundMe a fundraising initiative to raise money to support legal actions against the government for failing to protect the public, to implement health protection measures when rolling 5G out across this country. It's a pleasure to welcome Karen Churchill back to the programme. Hello, Karen. Happy New Year to you. I hope I can still say that on the 10th of January. (laughs) How are you? Happy New Year, Richie.
4: We're marching through January already, aren't we? We're
0: marching through. I can't wait to get to the end of it because I'm doing the dry January thing and I'm, I'm going good guns at the moment. So, I'm going to I'm oh, going to do my well best. You. Well, thanks very much. Listen, you've been busy since we last spoke, because in December, um, there was a significant um, um, occurrence, wasn't there, with respect to your case against the government. And that is papers were served on the uh, Secretary of State for Health and the Secretary of State for levelling up and housing um, on December 21st. Tell us about this. This is exciting news.
4: Absolutely, yes, it is exciting Richie. um yes, uh, what happened back in September, we filed the challenge, which we're pointing out to the to the dep- two departments um what the failure of the local risk reconciliation um the consequences of the the local authorities not addressing the health and environmental impacts. Um, And we gave them, you know, they asked for an extension to respond to these uh, to this challenge and the details that we had presented to them and they failed to respond. Um, So it it gave you know, we had no other option other than to uh, take a judicial review um, to challenge their lack of action in relation to what we're putting on the table Um, in the letter of the law. Um, there's a direct assignment of the local authorities to to actually actively look at the risks when they're making decisions, and this step is being sidestepped in the majority of cases across the country. They are not; they are being instructed by government policy not to look at the risks, whereas actually, in the letter of law, they have that uh, role to perform.
0: Karen, is there is there documentation showing? the government giving these instructions to local authorities not to consider the risks before making a decision?
4: Absolutely. It's in the National Planning Policy Framework. There's a policy, it used to be 118, it's just been updated. But in there it says you must, uh, should not set health safeguards other than ICNRP. So what happens is the planning authorities receive a piece of paper which says um, that they are complying to those exposure guidelines. Um, And in the very first instance, the planning authorities aren't looking at where the exclusion zones are according to that exposure guideline. So what's happening is you've got uh, residents that are actually living inside public exclusion zones and those masks are being passed without that exclusion zone, the position of that exclusion zone being checked. Um, And we've actually got another judicial review against a case like that happening in Cheltenham at the moment. Um, So we're challenging a mast that's gone up 17 metres in direct line of sight of this, the head of the mast. It's a five storey building, only 17 metres away from this, um, uh, the antenna. And uh, the the local authority, Cheltenham Borough Council, had no, even when challenged, and said, "Look, this is pretty close. It's right outside my bedroom window." Um, absolutely no account of that 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 residence, the impact of that residence, taken into account when they passed that mast.
0: Cameron, there's there's much to get into here. We'll talk about Uckinderpin in a second. Where these masts have being erected and turned on, for want of a better way of putting it. Do we have any evidence at all um, that people in those areas um, become less well or contact their doctors or their their healthcare people to, to complain about certain illnesses or certain issues? Is there an increase in genu- you know, general kind of ill health in areas where these have gone up? Has anybody looked into this?
4: Yes, well, um, Leonard Hardell uh, has done some research in Sweden and uh, produced a report where a couple living directly under a five G antenna became very unwell after the installation. So we've got scientific science, and then there's a long history of science that show that if you live near a base station, um, you're likely to have increased headaches, nausea, tinnitus, um, trouble with uh, concentration. And uh, the New Hampshire uh, report spent a year looking at all the studies and um, they found that the lab studies and the epidemiology both point to the necessity of a 500 meter setback. Um, and at the moment in this country for a 5G mast under Igna, they're they're saying you need about a 50 meter setback, sort of a, a 10 meter drop from the antenna. So really, that's grossly uh, inadequate. At least 500 metres is needed, according to the science.
0: Let me talk a little bit about ICNERP because it comes up and it's come up when we've spoken before. So for listeners who've never heard of ICNERP, it stands for International Commission on Non-Ionising Radiation Protection. And it is claimed to be, I know Karen is going to have kittens here when I say this, but (laughs) um, it is claimed to be an independent organisation provides scientific advice and guidance on the health and environmental effects of non-ionising radiation. Now, Wickner claims, and has claimed in recent years, that it spent seven years studying um, how to improve the protection for people when coming into contact with higher frequency waves covering 5G, but also AM and DAB radio, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth. And it says it's safe. uh, And that these technologies are safe if they adhere to recognised standards. And that's a really interesting comment, that. The technology is safe if it adheres to recognised standards. Does ICNRP accept the 500 metre exclusion zone? Where where no, where is the, it not doesn't at all. no
4: no they no according to ICNIRP the uh, the public exclusion zone are the area in which they advise that you know is a protective distance is around fifty meters um, but but the science according to the New Hampshire Commission um, says that at least five hundred meters so ICNAP don't recognise that. Um, and also, even within the ICMP guideline, there's in the, in the small print there's a, a exposure level set to protect people from microwave hearing, and that's um, at a, a fraction of the the recommended levels generally that they refer to. And this is not being recognised by Ofcom. It's not being recognised by the local authorities. Um, They say, Ofcom, we haven't measured any breach of ICNRF across the country, but they they have in Hatfield, Charing Cross and somewhere else. The the levels recorded were 15 times the limit for microwave hearing but nobody knows about microwave hearing. (laughs) They're not acknowledging it. And what our case is seeking to do is to create the procedural standard whereby that risk is included in the decision making when they decide where to place the mast.
0: I've looked into Wichnerp over the years and it claims not to receive any money from the industry. But that's not entirely true that... Um, it it is given grants and it claims it gets it receives grants from international organisations and organisations based in countries where this technology is being rolled out. But that's always been pretty easy to circumnavigate. Like if you ran a if you ran a tech company and you were interested in putting up five G mass, it's pretty easy to get around that and to subsidise other organisations, you know, which which could then obviously fund or send money to uh, to Wichner. So it definitely we we know that it is funded partly by the industry, don't we? Despite its claims not to be.
4: Yes and and I think what we're trying to do with our case is take the um, the emphasis away from Ignup and place the emphasis on the failed procedures because once you tackle um the inconsistencies that are happening the way these masks are being processed, then it we can reclaim our power against <laughs> Ignup and what Ignup say because. We have a right as an objector for the evidence that we put on the table to be fully taken into account. So in a way, we're we're seeking to um, enforce a a proper risk assessment to include all information. And I think one of the phrases we like to use is the science is in, you know, (laughs) and this science has to be accounted for. And it was difficult to get the science accounted for in the action against 5G case because the courts are slow to look at the actual science. Whereas uh, what our case is about is what we have revealed is all the different authorities um, are processing applications in slightly different ways, but they're even failing. The the door opener is the fact that they're failing to even um, apply the ICNERP standard um, with these exclusion zones by not uh, taking any responsibility for looking at where those exclusion zones are. This is very clever, I think,
0: Karen. This is very clever. Uh, Sorry to cut across you. Finish that thought now in, in, in a sec, but this is clever. Not to get bogged down arguing about the science, but to say, look, leave the science to one side for a second. There is a set of steps, a procedure that is laid down in law that needs to be followed before one of these masks goes up. And this is failing from step one. So this is clever because I imagine your opponents will try and not just your opponents, but anybody who wants to take on the erection of these masks. I suppose the first thing they do is try and, you know, label people as NIMBYs, you know, not in my backyard, or label them as crazy conspiracy theorists, or, or whatever. But um, that's, well, that's not right. the key. Yeah, go ahead.
4: Yeah, absolutely. They, they, they like to cast doubts like they w- did with the smoking over the science. So, as you say, if we move the emphasis away from what the science is at the outset and say, Actually, you're trying to impose a policy which and follow a guideline and and you're pretending that it's a procedural, uh, it's a standard where it's not a standard. It's just a guideline. And that guideline is just evidence that needs to be weighed up with other evidence. So, for example, um, across the country, most councils will say when challenged, oh, we can't take health into account because that's what the government have led them to believe. And um, But it's not true. And that's why we're challenging the government to change that policy, because we've got an example now of MENDIP who did look at the evidence, and they uh, chose to refuse the mast on health grounds. We presented the 500 meters, and there was a man with metal implants, and we said, look, the exposure guidelines don't apply to him. He's likely to be harmed. We had a doctor giving evidence about that. And then the Mendip Planning Board went against the the Mendip Council's recommendation that oh we can fulfil our legal obligations by applying policy. Well, they couldn't and they didn't when they refused that mast. So now we can pre- use that success in other councils when the council um, says no, we can't we can't take into a house. We say yes, you can. Mendip did. Why can't you?
0: Remind Um, us, Karen, remind us what is, sorry, what what is MENDIP?
4: MENDIP is a uh, district council in Somerset. So it's a planning authority in Somerset. And uh, we had a a 5G mast application. The first one came up in Froome. And uh, we got raised 200 objections and presented them the evidence. And we asked questions of their jurisdiction so we say you know what are your obligations under the european code to reconcile the risks and they said oh yes we we should be reconciling the risks and the way we do that is applying policy and that's what they told the planning boards but when we presented all the evidence to the planning board they said actually no we're not going to rely on policy there is a legal mechanism by which we can refuse this mast on health grounds and we're going to refuse it So that is the only council that we know of that has made a decision based on the health implications after looking at the evidence itself. And you know
0: what, Karen, it it occurs to me that it's untenable for a local authority to say, we're not taking the health risk into consideration when making a decision because the government told us not to. That That doesn't really absolve a local authority from litigation in the future. I mean, they must be stupid if they believe it does because, you know, you end up in court and you say, uh, well, Your Honour, the government told us not to check whether it was healthy or not. I mean, any, you know, half-decent judge would say, well i mean you 're you 're an adult human male or human female, and um, you know better than that, like whether government said it or not, you still have the responsibility to say well well we 're going to check and look into it in any case, so they 've got to be worried about this in the future i w- I would imagine local authorities
4: i th- I think there's uh, what people 's visceral reaction to this and the sort of you know the gut feeling, and then there 's the technicalities of planning law. And and a lot of planners, to be fair to them, they're doing their best according to their instruction to apply planning law, because if they don't, they're going to if they refuse a mask on health grounds, they're frightened that they're going to lose on appeal. And then that's going to be costly to them. So so the financial implications are a consideration for them. But Absolutely, this is what's happening in Cheltenham. You know, we, we went to Cheltenham and said, look, this lady's only 17 metres away, she's vulnerable. They're saying, Oh no, we're following the law, we we can't. So the fight in Cheltenham is to point out the detail of the case law, the detail of the European code, um, the, the planning principles, and and to create some clarity in the procedure and that should be happening. Um, because they're relying on this single policy, thinking that they're obeying the law, thinking that that's what keeps them safe from being challenged by the telecoms company, um, and they think that they don't have to make their own mind up as to how, what the impacts are. But you're absolutely right. You know, once we start present to the councils, look, the science says you need 500 meter setback. I think once you get people thinking about how far away from that mast am I safe, what are the real implications at what distance? And then on top of that, you've got hotspots. So how does the emissions from one mast interfere with another mast and with all my other EMF emitting devices? And even the WHO internet... um, organization the researchers are saying yes there are hot spots and actually we're experimenting in how to mitigate those hot spots in amsterdam they set up an experiment and and they found a way of deflecting or nullifying the hot spots and um in you know indoor plants started to grow better so it's it's really behind the times to be in a position of oh, non-ionising radiation has no effects, and you know we're we daft to think they do. We're we're so beyond that point in 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 our in the true under scientific understanding. It's just the political representation of the science um, is very misleading.
0: We we're speaking with Karen Churchill now. Karen and Neil McDougall are um, taking legal action against the. Uh, health secretary and the secretary of state for leveling up and housing and communities and um, the sealed judicial review application was served to both of them um in december they've requested a two-week extension to respond um because of the holiday so this is proceeding it's important work this um dear listener i would ask you to go to gofundme.com and I, I'm going to put a link to this on the podcast notes later. Look for litigants in person protecting public health. Or if you put GoFundMe and Karen Churchill into a search engine, you'll find the page straight away. They're looking to raise just over 10 grand for the fees. They're not doing too bad. They're coming up on 1,900 quid. Now, I'll bung you a few quid myself later on, Karen. That's a promise. And uh, I'll, I'll put Radio Show as a reference so you'll know it's us. So if you can support this, do support it because it's mass important this right because it's the wild west out there uh, if they have their way
4: um, get in get right (laughs) in karen go ahead thanks richie i just just want to encourage all the listeners that are listening in that they too um can take print off the submission they can um organize to speak to their ward councillors and ask their council to to um become an interested party in this case, because each council has their own responsibility to find out what their legal obligations are. So, um, you know, anybody who's out there, you don't have to know all the detail yourself. You just print off the submission and give it to your ward counsellor. And in Appendix 2, there's a list of all the remedies that are needed in order to even at the outset, establish this um, a firm procedure. If I can just give you an example, Richie. Um Matt Warman. He he was a defendant on our first case ag- action against five G, and we were challenging him to clarify, you know, the risks of of five G. And what happened in his constituency in the summer? Um, the locals, the, a, a master was passed outside a school. And he, his public, his constituents were really upset about it, and he he agreed it was a sensitive issue, and he rang EE and arranged for EE not to go ahead. I mean, that just is such an example of how of regulation is failing. Yeah. not every, all constituents have got Matt Warman who with friends in high places who can fix the situation once their masks have gone up outside their schools. And that just shows you how ridiculous and the, the the procedures are in in terms of what should be happening.
0: Loads um, of comments. Can I read some comments? Um, Ardell has uh, people are getting to getting onto us through the app. Ardell says this is extremely interesting. As a new fifteen meter five G mast was erected today at the end of my road, it was appealed by nearby residents. And the council ignored them. That's from Ardell. Fifteen metre five G mast at the end, at the end of his road. There's two or three around us here in Salford, would you believe it, um Karen? But not yes. not within not within more than a half a kilometre from where where I'm based at the moment. Luckily enough for me, I suppose it's not about me, me, me. But it, it won't be lucky for those who are near them. But we're surrounded by um several schools, a huge hospital and Media City is only just down the road from here, so they're going up everywhere. Uh, that was Ardell. Yes. He said the council ignored them. Um maybe they didn't have access. Maybe the those who were um protesting didn't have the information that Karen has given there and which is on the fundraiser page. GoFundMe dot com, look for Karen uh, Churchill. Just one or two more of these. Um this is a, a health-based one from Rob, who had a sudden onset of tinnitus about two years ago. It tied in with the installation of a 5G mask 50 metres from his home. They're moving at the moment. There isn't a mast where he is heading and he's praying. It clears up, it drives him insane. Now, I know you're <coughs> focusing on the law around, um, you, you know, the, the, the proper procedure in terms of doing the proper... Um, applications and all of that for, in order for masks to be put up but you, you can't ignore the health and these are the types of comments that come in when we do shows like this. I guess you won't be surprised when you hear Rob say he had tinnitus when he was um, next to a 5G uh, mass 50 metres away do you, do you get a lot of this yeah. Karen?
4: absolutely a lot of it and, and and what we're seeking to do is is empower um him to be able to file a statutory nuisance complaint and the the such that the council have to respond and it, once he objects they have to respond so you know the procedure has mammoth implications for the rights of people to protect themselves from these conditions
0: Thanks, Karen. Let me read one or, one or two more of these. Uh, Bob is buying EMF shielding paint. Um, he's got to save for it. It isn't cheap. He lives in a building and is surrounded by all sorts of microwave frequencies. He says also EDF is now stopping support for prepayment meters. We all... Need radiation pulsating meters, he says. The trackers, yeah. My, we we own our our own uh, home, uh, Karen, and we do not have a smart meter. But not a month goes by without an email or a letter from the power company, um, urging us to have the smart meter. There seems to be um, uh, a run at the moment on uh, p- people or or pressure coming to bear on people from the power supply companies the energy companies to have smart meters because you said this a minute ago it isn't just 5g towers in your neighborhood it's everything else it's wi-fi and of course it's smart meters isn't it and and you know it's a bit of a soup really for people these days isn't it
4: absolutely it's the exponential increase that will have the you know the ongoing chronic and long-term effects richie it's the accumulation throughout the day across different devices and 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 that's what's not being taken into account you know each individual source may uh, you know uh, uh, apply to this particular inadequate guideline but what about the eff- accumulative effects of all these different sources acting together who's considering that you know it's 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 ridiculous we've
0: had it is it's when you think about it it is preposterous jan is in swansea hi Jan. can you tell karen richie our local council is crowing that swansea bay is going to become a quote living laboratory for 5g end quote Jan, i'd love you to send me a link to that uh, I'm not uh, doubting Jan for a minute, but she says the council is claiming Swansea Bay will become a living laboratory for 5G. I mean, it's reckless, this, isn't it? I mean, it's absolute- absolutely
4: reckless. The science is in, the harms are there, the risks should be um being taken into account. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous that they're not... Um, And what we've noticed with the planning applications, they are upping their literature, their glossy literature, which conveys a a very misleading picture of the effect of the radiation. Um, And I think for anybody listening, it's just keep focused, keep informed and assert your rights we have rights and the submission as asserting those rights we have a right to protect ourselves and once once you can use the literature to assert that don't hold back don't feel like it's a done deal it may feel like it's a done deal and it's accelerating And in some ways it is, but we've stopped... um, Across the UK, 68% of masks in the last two years have been stopped and refused at planning. And as I said before, only one on health grounds, but we do suspect that some of the masks are being refused because uh, the case officers are recognising the health effects, but they're putting it down to, oh, it's too tall or too ugly for this particular location because they fear being sued. But I think we will make progress and we will get these um, adverse health effects on the table because through this um, challenge that we're making to force them to to apply the procedures that they should be proceeding uh, applying, because once they know they can, then there's more likelihood and we can then keep pressing with the evidence that they should So it's a step-by-step procedure, and anybody listening is just, please, please, please go to rfinfo.co.uk and use the templates there, um, print off the submission, and the way to really challenge a council is to assert your rights, and and our rights are very clearly laid out in in that submission, especially Appendix 2. It's a very long submission. It's full of legal um you know detail but in imp- appendix 2 there's a list of information that a council should be considering before um deciding a mast and we are in a very strong position if we have people knowing that information and using it and again you don't have to become an expert yourself it's all it's all there within the submission but what we need is people using that submission to assert their rights and, and then it takes, takes the whole uh, framework away from persuasion and victimhood to a position of, of assertion and just accountability. Um, and that's the beauty of the progression in the UK campaign. Um, we were, with the Cheltenham, we're pushing up from the bottom. And with this case against the Secretary of State, we're pushing down from the top. Because you could say the local authorities are being put in a corner that they don't even realise they're 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 so cornered by this faulty unlawful policy. So, um, but but they do have a responsibility to find out and stand up like we are, stand up against telecoms and say no. The evidence is in. You know, we do have to protect the public. We have that duty. But by pushing up from the bottom uh, and through the Cheltenham Judicial Review and then pushing down from the top, we we will make progress. And we'll make more progress. And the more people out there who know that they have this um, power tool um, to call for accountability, it, 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 all these steps make a difference. Karen,
0: well done, and uh, good luck with the with the case. Obviously, you're awaiting news, and hopefully, you'll have news. Uh, soon. I'm going to put the link to the information you've given us on the podcast notes. That's the GoFundMe page. Uh, the programme has just made uh, a, a donation to the funds and I see one or two listeners have done so as well and I hope you'll get more support in the coming days. Listen, it's hugely important. I really appreciate you for doing it and for coming on to talk about it and I know you'll come back on when there is more news, Karen, but um, great stuff. Godspeed to you.
4: Thank you, Richie. Lovely to speak to you again. Thank you for your support. My
0: my pleasure. You're very welcome. Karen Churchill, one of the litigants uh, taking the Secretary for Health and the Secretary of State for levelling up in communities, taking them to court for the failure to protect people, for the failure to protect basically every man, woman and child in this country from telecoms companies who want to put up 5G masks in communities um telling local authorities forget about the health impact of this forget about it it's not your jurisdiction just approve the planning requests that's basically what the government has done has said so um yeah uh, important stuff that will keep an eye on that one like i said again i will put the gofundme page Link on the podcast notes a little bit later on. It's exactly five o'clock UK time. Uh, I'm live from Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, Wednesday's programme, January 10th, 2024. Lots of comments on this. Thank you for them. Use the app. Use the website. Bill has been in touch to say, um, uh, he says, Metro paid meters are a scam. Every two pounds out of every 10 pounds spent goes to the landlord for what they claim is maintenance, when these things are maintenance-free. I think it is borderline whether these are legal. Landlords are installing these en masse because they can make a lot of money from installing them. They are not smart meters, though, says Bill. I didn't know this, Bill. This is brand new information to me. So if you rent from a landlord and he puts a prepaid meter into your property where you've got to pay as you go. If it's Metro paid, you're telling me that the landlord gets a couple of quid out of every 10 quid spent. Is that right? Jesus, that's robbery, to say the least. I mean, they're not happy with the exorbitant rent um, fees they're they're taking from people today. Um, And Dave has been in touch with me uh, because Jan was in touch with me. Thank you, Jan. And then Dave has been in touch to send me a link to uh, this uh, story about Swansea. I'm just going to open it now, if I can. Tell you what. I'm doing it on the fly. Swansea University, and this is according, this is Swansea University's website now, to develop world-first research and innovation living lab. Creating a living laboratory in the Swansea Bay City region. Swansea University will develop a world-first research and innovation environment that harnesses a five G infrastructure wait for to improve population health and well being that's a an inversion with the award of a two point five million project pounds project that will create a living lab in the Swansea Bay City region. Jesus Mary and Joseph Wow Swansea Uni a world's first five G infrastructure in Swansea Bay to create a living laboratory. Wow, to study the physical, mental well-being and performance of people in the region to reduce the burden on the NHS. (laughs) thats I mean, if a James Bond villain was to say something like that, you might understand it. It's three minutes past the hour. Uh, Here's music from The Who. When I come back, your comments, and then Dean Henderson will be on the program again. I'm looking forward to that. A living laboratory in the Swansea Bay City region. Wow. Right, it's six minutes past the hour. That's The Who and Substitute on The Richie Allen Show. We're Wednesday already, the 10th of January, 2024. my guest this hour, you know a listener said to me the other day when I mentioned that Dean Henderson was coming back. He said, it's hilarious, Ritchie, you go months and months and months without having Dean on the programme. And then you have him a couple of times on close together. Dean was back. uh, was almost back in November, of course, but I'm delighted he's back with us today because there's much to talk about looking ahead to this year, 2024, and what we can expect. There's very little I can tell you about Dean Henderson. He's a fantastic writer, researcher, broadcaster. Uh, His books are must-read increasingly as things unfold and develop. Uh, His books are vital. Dean, welcome back to the programme. Happy New Year to you and to Jill. How are you?
2: Hey Richie, good. Happy New Year to you as well.
0: It's good to have you back, my friend. Before um, before we talk um a, a little bit about what we, we we might expect, uh, throughout 2024, I've I've got to mention that the U.S. Secretary of State is on a tour of the Middle East at the moment, Anthony Blinken, and um, he said repeatedly that any talk of Israel committing genocide in Gaza is silly, it's foolish, it's unhelpful, it's not productive, Uh, it isn't a genocide, Uh, Israel has a right to defend itself, Um, while he's saying that the Israeli government and the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu are saying, and they've said today, including Mark Regev, who's a representative of the government, he's been telling the British media that what they expect out of this, when this all ends and the dust settles, is that the Palestinians will have less than a state. Less than a state. and They will be able to run their own affairs, but they will not be permitted to have or to sign international agreements with other countries, to have relationships with other states in the region, less than a state. What do you make of all of this, Dean?
2: Well, it's, it's a, of course, it was the Israeli objective all along. I mean, they, they want to totally exterminate the Palestinian people or move them to a different location. They don't really care but they want that land in Gaza. There's natural gas off the coast. There's beachfront property. There's already ads being run, advertising beachfront property for settlers. You know, and again, this is just the latest colonial settler project um, known as Israel. And um, they want the land. I mean, it's all about, it's all they've done in the whole time they've been in Palestine is they've just continued to take more and more land from the native people. And uh, they don't really care. I mean, that's why initially, of course, they wanted to open the, they wanted Egypt to open their border and they were just, everyone was open the border, open the border to Egypt. But Egypt knew better because, and the Palestinians knew better and they're not going to leave. There's just, their attitude is we're going to stay here and die. We're not leaving. Uh, I heard there was negotiations with the Congo too. Said, so the Congo, they're just supposed to, all well, of a sudden the Palestinians to the Congo, you know, and they can live there and. So that that's just the way that the whole thing has been planned. And that's what they want. And they don't care how many people die. but they'd rather more people die. They don't care if they all leave, they'd rather they all left. And that's always been their attitude. And of course, the United States is just lying and just sending weapons every day to Israel, day after day, all those weapons that bomb hospitals, that bomb refugee camps, that bomb churches, that bomb the Red Crescent Society, that bomb UN agencies. That's all U.S. arms. So, uh, you know, Blinken's just playing, you know, politics. Nobody believes him. I mean, everybody knows he's lying. Everybody knows they don't care about civilian casualties, because if they did, they'd stop the arms flow. But they just keep it going because it's part of the the entire, uh, you know, the project of not just the Israelis, but it's the project of the bloodlines. And the U.S. works for the bloodlines. The military takes orders from the bloodlines. I guess Lloyd Austin's in the hospital, so that's convenient. So, and we don't know why, but, you know, it's just, it's just a bunch of lies. Okay. And and, I mean, anybody with a pulse, I don't care, you know, what side you're on or, you know, if you're pro Israeli, if you're pro Palestinian, whatever. I mean, anybody that watches another military, just bombing hospitals, bombing schools, deliberately bombing civilian areas, committing war crimes every single day and can sit there and either not say anything or, or somehow justify it. I mean, you're not human anymore and that's what they want they want to desensitize us every day they show it to us well they don't even show it to us al Jazeera shows it to us press tv shows it to us rt shows it to us western media doesn't cover it they just have idf propagandists on the channels and um
0: yeah and rt you know, those are great rt and press tv have been banned in the uk so unless you use yeah. a, a vpn virtual private network you can't watch ORT or you can't watch press TV. Look, I've, I've got to say this because it's only right and proper as a journalist. They'll never come on this programme. Zionists won't. They used to. I used to interview Zionists all the time and the conversations were interesting. These days they won't come on. But they'll say, some of them will say, look, not happy about the civilian casualties in Gaza. I'm not. Some Zionists will say this. Don't like it one bit. But on on October 7th Hamas pulled off this coup. They killed a lot of people. We've got to kill Hamas. And they will say and they will and they're sincere some of these people. They really believe this whether it's true or not. They will say, "Look, Hamas has a history of placing its people in front of or behind um, Palestinian civilians." It's typical. They they, they tell me they'll put them um, their fighters in hospitals and in schools because they want to martyr people so that they can claim, look, the Israelis are monsters, they're despots, look at this. So people will claim this. I'm not saying that's my p- position, and you know it's not my position, but they'll say, this is how it is. And look, sometimes, you know, we, we, the the old adage is, even a broken clock is right twice a day. What do you say to that?
2: Yeah, uh, these broken clocks just lie. And they're broken people and they're, they're broken. Uh, they're not right in the head and they don't, they don't care. They're just full of fear and that's all they've ever been. And of course they're full of fear because they know that everything they represent is wrong and the country that they live in is wrong a hundred percent of the time. And the country they live in just keeps stealing land and, um, developing high tech military hardware, which all this also is just a great experiment to see how that People will handle urban warfare to see how they'll handle it. If they starve them out, if they cut the water supply, if they cut everything off. And so, you know, Hamas, you know, this whole thing, October 7th, we've heard about that. We already heard about that. That's old news. And it's amazing that anyone even talks about it anymore, honestly, because you have a situation where a lot of people say the Israeli military killed most of those people when they came to so-called rescue them. There's a lot of there's a lot of funny business around the intelligence communities knew it was going to happen. There's a lot of funny business around it. So, you know, it doesn't really matter. I don't care what they say. They're just liars. And, and, and anybody that tries to be even handed and say, oh, yeah, but yeah. But listen to these guys. Listen to psychopaths. OK, so let's be even handed. Let's treat good people and bad people the same way. That's just bullshit. You know, we got to pick a side right now. What side are you on? Are you on the side of Israeli crown, US colonial project people? Or are you on the side of the resistance, which is Hezbollah, Hamas? You know, uh, the Houthis were doing a hell of a job over there in the Red Sea. And you got to pick a side. And and anybody mealy mouthed about it, I don't really want to talk to them anymore because you can't watch this genocide unfold and civilians and mostly women and children, mostly women and children. And and you can't be even handed. There's no way I mean you shouldn't be even handed. God doesn't want us to be even handed. God wants us justice. God wants love. God wants compassion. And I might add, this is exactly what the terrorists do. And the terrorists I mean the crown, I mean the MI six and the CIA. That's the terrorists in the world. They created ISIS. They they attacked Kerman and Iran the other day. They attack all the good people, whether it's Chavez, whether it's Castro, whether it's Gaddafi, whether it's Syria. They, all the socialists, all the progressives, they used the right-wing Islamists to do it. Yes, they used Hamas for, to do the same thing for a long time. Now Hamas has blended in with the resistance and they've had to, and, and they, they, they're basically biting their master, just like the Cuban exiles do. And they started blowing things up in Miami. They're biting the hand of their master. They're saying, no, we're, we, we realize now that was a mistake. We're going this way. And they're all, and they're all united. They're all united. Iran's united. All these, all these people in the Middle East are united against Israel. And there should be. And that's who I side with. And by the way, these people that say, oh, yeah, they hide their civilians in these buildings, which is all lies, which is all just lies. It's just lies. So these are the people that actually hide their stuff. And you, you guessed earlier I wanted to comment on the 5G towers because I kind of had this epiphany a couple of weeks ago. I never thought of it. Or not. I've never heard it from anybody else either. So here's the thing. Of course, the 5G is depopulation. Of course, the 5G is mind control. These things are almost a given. Of course, the 5G causes sickness. Um, I'm on vacation right now. Unfortunately, the house rented. Uh, a woman lied to me. And I asked her, is there a 5G tower anywhere close? No, can't see one, so there's two blocks away there's a tower. Wow. So I've been sick since New Year's Eve, I'm finally fighting it off. It's not contagious. Jill doesn't get it. Nobody gets it. It's just I'm, I got poison, okay? So I got poison. I'm dealing with it. I'm getting better. But it took a long time. So long as I've been sick in my life, it's the only time I've lived on a 5G tower in my life. This 5G tower is in a daycare center of a Lutheran church in the in the in the playground of the daycare center. Right? So yeah, partly, they want to kill us partly. But here's the other thing that we don't think about. Okay, when when the people finally wake up, when they finally get off their knees, when they finally, you know, quit being even handed, and they just go after these fuckers, like we should. Then where are the 5G towers? Oh, they're next to electricity grids. They're on water towers. They're on church parking lots. They're in daycare centers. They're on nursing homes. So what are the revolutionaries going to do? Attack our own infrastructure? You think they didn't think about this? <laughs> and that's
0: what—that's really that's, interesting. That's what now. they do. That is really interesting. We'll talk more about 5G, but I want to take you up on something you said a moment ago about there's only one side to be on, and God wants us to do. Um, the right thing and we've known each other for years so we don't have to play that game of I'm not disrespecting you Dean or I'm not disrespecting you Richie you can say whatever you want to me and vice versa I'm agnostic I don't know about the existence of God but, but what I am and I'm sincere and I'm genuine and it's all I have is I am completely and utterly committed to nonviolence. and so whatever happened on October 7th look you're absolutely right We know the Israeli lookouts, most of them are females. They were warning their commanders for weeks and weeks that something was going down and they were told to shut up or they'd be court-martialed. That's a big red flag right there. You know, for people who say that Israel might have known, the Israeli government might have known something was going to happen and then maybe allowed it happen because it suited its agenda. I'm open to hearing that or to listening to it because because there is some very very unusual um, occurrences or there were some unusual occurrences going on. We know the Egyptians warned them that, that something was going on. So yes, 100%. And I have heard from Israeli sources that there may have been so-called friendly fire at that concert and that some of these people may have been killed by the IDF while they were responding. I get all of that and I won't dispute any of that. But I'm completely and utterly committed to nonviolence. I don't think Hamas has ever served the Palestinian people. Um, you're right to bring up the fact that the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has long had a policy of propping up and supporting Hamas because he believed that by doing that it would push back any chance the Palestinians had of having a two-state solution. 100% all of this. But but I hate violence. I hate it. You know, when Palestinians blew themselves up in the 1980s on buses in downtown Tel Aviv, while I totally support the rights of the Palestinians, I've always been on the side of the Palestinians and always will be, and I know my history, I can't bear violence, Dean. And a victim of violence is a victim of violence. And we shouldn't, I don't mean you, but I don't prioritise victims of violence. I don't think that an Israeli man or woman is any less important than some poor fucker who's been blown to pieces in Gaza, running for his life from the Israeli Defence Forces. You know, I believe if God exists, God is appalled by all of this, by every bit of it. And God probably can't believe that 2,000 years after his only son gave his only life for mankind, that we're still blowing each other to bits, Dean. You know, killing one another on massive scales in Yemen, you know, in Gaza, as we're seeing right now. So for me, non-violence, I can't bear it. And I don't think it's justifiable. Peaceful, non-violent, civil uh, disobedience is the way... I believe, to defeat these people. And of course, if we lived in a just world, and I'll get off my soapbox now and let you back in... But if we lived in a proper, right and just world and a righteous society, every country in the world would kick out the Israeli ambassadors. Every country in the world would freeze the Israeli assets. Every country would ban the export, or the import I should say, of Israeli goods and we would starve the Israelis economically until the country was on its knees. We would impose a no-fly zone over Gaza if the United Nations was righteous and if it was a just and real organisation, we would say to the Israeli Air Force, if you put a in the sky, and you attempt to bomb these people again, we will blow you to fucking pieces, and we will continue to do that until you stop. That's what I would do, Dean, but that's not going to happen, yeah. is it? It's not going to happen well, today,
2: no. and that's a lot of ifs, you know. And it's like, yeah. okay, so were the Sandinistas wrong to take up arms and fight the Somoza family? Were the Cubans wrong to take up arms and fight the Batista CIA mafia? I mean, I don't like violence. Nobody likes violence, man. Let's just let's, 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 let's get real. Like, you know, I've been accused by these peaceniks of being a militant my whole life. And they say, you like violence. You're a violent person. It's like, fuck you, man. You don't know anything about me, man. Yeah. You don't know how much love I got in my heart to have to go out of my, put my neck on the line and make these statements because you're too much of a fucking coward to make them. You know, that's what all it is. It's like easy for us to say, oh, we're against violence. How hard is that? It's like everybody wants to hear that it makes you sound like Mother Teresa. Good for you. Whatever. No, there, there's a lot of ifs there. Like if 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 Saudi Arabia hadn't occupied Yemen for 10 years and killed a million people, a million yeah. people, if well, then maybe the Houthis would be these really peaceniks and they'd go to, you know, ashrams and they'd pray and they'd sit there and meditate and it all go away. But that didn't happen. That's an if that didn't happen. So the violence already happened. The violence against the Palestinians has been happening for 70 years. What are they supposed to do? March in the streets? That doesn't work. They can't even go to the streets. They have have to have IDs to get on the street. And then they hassle them for the rest of the day, and it takes them two hours to get to the West Bank, to college in Gaza, and two hours to get back. And an hour to cross the border, an East border. It's not even the Israelis' land. It's their land. The whole thing's their land. So I don't want to hear about, you know, that's fine. That's up to you. You want to be a peacenik? I'm not a peacenik, okay? I'm done being a peacenik. I've never been a peacenik, ever. Ever, ever, ever. And that's my right, and that's what I'm sovereign individual, and that's what I can say. And yeah. I can go ahead and say that. And that's what our founding fathers in this country said, and that's what your brothers in Ireland said, and that's what people have had to say Through 8,500 years of occupation, enslavement, and now extermination by this Anunnaki crown, and that's what's going on. So you can sit there and pretend to be even-handed, or you can sit there and say these guys are my enemy. Let's go at them. So when's that time? When is it time? When did they cross the line? You say you want to blow them up? It's a smithereens if they do. Who's going to do that? That's violence. Yeah. Who's going to do that? That's just violence. That's hypocrisy. That's just you're just. well, like if system, you,
0: well, if the United Nations was to say, "Look, here's the peacekeeping force," again, we're we're you're right. We're we're talking in ifs. They're and not going to do anything. No, I know they're not. They're not, not. going to do anything. I, I'm imagining. I'm, an I'm imagining. I'm imagining a fantasy world, right? Whereby the United <laughs> Nations... Bear with me for a minute, and I, and I have kind of misrepresented myself because, of course, there is a time to take up arms. you you, you can't allow yourself. To be blown to pieces, to be humiliated, to be subjugated, as you've said, you can't, you you must defend yourself. Of course I get that. It's the attacking of civilians, like you mentioned, your brothers in Ireland. I would have supported Republicans in the north of Ireland in the 60s and 70s, attacking British military positions. Now, I would have hated it, but I would have supported it because they were the occupier. And they were doing unspeakable things to Catholics in the North. I would have supported that, Dean. Where my support ended was when the IRA started planting bombs in public houses in Birmingham and in London and blowing British civilians to pieces who never raised a finger against my people. That's the problem I have. And that's why I said earlier, it's it's only my opinion. I could be totally wrong here. This makes for a good conversation. Dean Henderson is my guest. He's a great friend of ours. He's a brilliant writer. Read his books. Uh, Find him on Substack, .substack deanhenderson.substack.com. The guy's vital. Read him, listen to him. So this this, this is for conversation. Yeah, attack the military positions of the British garrisons in Derry and in, in, in any other part of Ireland. The minute you start killing innocent people, I've got a huge problem with it. So of course I'm not saying the Palestinians in Gaza should roll over and pull their trousers down and say yeah yeah fuck us in the ass and kill us and murder our children. No no of course not. But when 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 does an eye for an eye ultimately make the whole world blind in terms of like when Hamas goes into southern Israel and if it shoots Israeli families or an Israeli woman or an Israeli man that's not really defending yourself. That's the point I'm making. And it's a ham-fisted yeah, one, I'm it not is. making it well. I think it, well. it is, ahead.
2: defend yourself. It's like Crazy Horse. It's like Crazy Horse in the, in the 1850s and the white settlers came and just took their land and told them to move on. What were they supposed to do? And these are settlers, Richie. These Israelis that they killed, I, it, it's, of course, it's terrible what happens. It's, yeah. War sucks. War is no good. It's just not pretty at all. But, but these, these are settlers. You know, the British are settlers. You know, and by the way, I think a lot of the IRA stuff towards the end that was MI6 stuff trying to discredit them and I'm pretty sure of that. But and a lot of the same with can be said with the of course all the stuff that happens in the Middle East that we blame on Palestinians or we blame on Hamas or we blame them on somebody else. But I mean it's just at some at some point you if you're gonna go and steal people's land and be and live in a kibbutz and yeah, where you know, become a hippie, a little hippie with your raves and and just go out and basically ignore reality and and think you're just this high minded, holy roller, you know, soul searching dude or whatever And you want, you know, put it on Facebook, Mother Teresa Complex, Virtue Signal, everybody how great you are, you're a target, you're a target, you stole the land. I don't care what you say, I don't care how you say it, I don't care how flowery your speech is, you stole the land and you are now a target, you are a settler. And you have put yourself in that position. And yes, your government used you. And yes, the crown used you. And the who's behind this whole thing this is the British, as per usual, the city of London. They want Israel to be the greater Israel. They want to take over Lebanon. They want to take over Iraq. They want to take over Egypt. They want to take over you know, Jordan. I mean, they want a bigger piece of land. And that's exactly what's what they're pushing for by removing the Palestinians first. And then they can see about starting a second front against Hezbollah. But good luck with that, because even U.S. intelligence says you start a second all-out war with Hezbollah, Israelis will lose. That document came out this week, and that's true. Look, the Houthis got a lot of guns. Why? Because they were occupied for 10 years. They saw a million other people die. They're pissed off. Would you be? I mean, if you were occupied for 10 years and you saw a millionaire countryman die in the poorest country on earth, the country that's exploited by Saudi Arabia for the last 50 years, pay these Yemenis a dollar a day to come across the border and work at a Ramco headquarters, work at oil refineries, work at plastics plants owned by Exxon Mobil and the four horsemen and then send them home, you know? And that's why, that's why Yemen was in two countries at one point. It was North Yemen. It was South Yemen and South Yemen was a Marxist country. And that's why, because people get sick of stuff. People get sick of being exploited, being run over. And if you're going to be on the side of evil, and if you're going to try to, Say, oh, I was just a civilian settler. No, you were a settler. You were, you were being used by the colony masters to, to take land for them. You picked the wrong side, and in my opinion, they're targets. And that's just the harsh reality of it. Nobody likes death. Nobody wants to die. Nobody likes violence. Nobody. Well, they do. That's true. The Anunnaki love violence. They love violence. They love terrorism. They love disease. They love killing people bloodshed and all that stuff, but they're not human. No human, no human likes violence. You know, that's not a human thing. That's just a defense thing. But I'm a male. I grew up, my tribe's really old. I come from way back and I'm back again. And in my tribe, the men defend and the men, if necessary, the enemy will die. And these are enemies. And the problem in this world right now is not enough people know that these people are enemies or these things are enemies and not enough people. Look, there's two ways to live life. You can love the people and hate the system or you can love the system and defend it at all turns and hate the people. And that's what happens. And there's nowhere in between. And it's, and it's, a, it's a paradox that it works that way, but that's, that is how it works because the ones that defend the system, they can't really love the people. They just can't really open their hearts and love the people. The ones that defend the people will always hate the system. And you have to get it in your head that there's these two different, paradigms you have to operate under. One of them is vis-a-vis the enemy, which is the system, which is the super rich billionaire class and any of their minions who come in and work for them and steal your stuff or murder your families. The other side is the people and the people are the Palestinians in this case. And it's just clear to me and, and, and you know, they voted Hamas in in 2006. They've been voting them in ever since. So for us as Westerners to say, like, oh, Hamas, that's not the right solution for Palestinians. That's just colonial thing. That's just thinking of colonial people who think they have the right to sit back in their armchairs, out of harm's way, eating well, under a roof, got plenty to eat, plenty to, plenty to keep them entertained, because it's all about entertainment, right? And then they can sit there and say, oh, Hamas isn't the right thing for the Palestinian people. None of your business, none of my business. That's who they picked. That's who they had to pick because they assassinated Yasser Arafat in the PLO. They decimated the popular front for liberation of Palestine, which was the real revolutionary socialist Arab bunch, because that's who they target. And now they've got, what have they got to deal with? Hamas and still just occupied and still living this hell that they've lived for damn near 70 years now.
0: And what about the idea, Dean? What about the idea or the claim? Because, yeah, so they voted Hamas in and they repeatedly voted them in. But if Hamas is a Trojan horse organisation and is being controlled vicariously by um, Benjamin Netanyahu or the Israeli government, controlled by the Israelis so that the Palestinian Authority will never get a foothold in, you know, trying to bring about some sort of an agreement or an accord whereby you might have peace and you might have a two-state solution. I I mean, the Times of Israel has run a series of articles about the links between Netanyahu and Hamas, and the funding given to that organization by the Israelis. I mean, that can't be ignored. That's serious stuff. That
2: No, of course. And i have the, probably the first person that reported that in my big oil book in 2006. Probably the very first person that figured out that Hamas was Muslim Brotherhood that was funded by Israel, that was funded by Saudi Arabia mainly. But like I just said, if anybody could hear that out there, like I just said, it's different now. Hamas has had to, Hamas has, has turned against British intelligence, CIA. They figured it out. They figured out where the money was coming from. They figured out why they could get all these arms and all this stuff. It's just like the Chinese, they used us. They used, they used the West too, and they took our stuff. That happens all the time. That happened with, with uh, you know, Saddam Hussein. I mean, Saddam Hussein was a CIA agent who assassinated the previous president of Iraq, Al Qasim. For the CIA in 1964, then Saddam Hussein, the people of Iraq, the Communist Party, the biggest political party in Iraq by far, did anybody know that? Probably not. Well, now you know, pushed Saddam to the left and said, no, we're going to have collective farms, we're going to have free housing for people, free health care, we're going to have a socialist system in Iraq. Well, here comes the U.S. At that point, here comes the U.S. Just like Gaddafi, we're going to have this anarcho-syndicalist paradise and then and, and we're going to have, oh, 55,000 average income. It was Libya's medium income. It's like higher than some Western countries. It's like three times as high as any other African country. Successful, progressive, socialist. Let's Oh, I know. Let's attack them with the Islamists and let's take them out. Well, yeah, that was, that was what Hamas was supposed to do. And they did. He, they did. They took out Arafat. They took out P-P- the Popular Front for Liberation of Palestine. But now what do you got? Palestinian authority? Where did that come from? Authority to who? Authority what? Where did that even come from? That wouldn't used to even exist. And this guy, Mahmoud Abbas, is totally worthless. He's the, if you want to talk about stoolies of Israel, nowadays in the present, not in the past, like Hamas used to be, but in the present, like, you know, things change. And so now the stoolies of Israel are clearly the Palestinian authority. And there's no authority, and they're not elected, and they're just appointed. It's just like this colonial, it's like the Maharajis or something. They're Maharaj. This guy's a Maharaji. Think India. That's what Mahmoud Abbas and the Palestinian Authority are. They're totally worthless and toothless. And they don't even talk about a two-state solution, which, by the way, the Palestinians really don't want anymore. They won't want a two-state solution. They want Israel destroyed and gone. And so do I. because It's an illegitimate state, and they need to just go back where the hell they came from. Find a new home. You've abused these people too long, you've, 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 you've outworn, you're welcome, you never were welcome, you stole all the land, they have deeds to it still, and you won't even talk about, in any negotiations, a two-state solution, you won't consider giving the land back, you won't even do it. So what's the point? You know, what's the point? The only, the only, the only thing that they're going to listen to is being defeated militarily. And that's the only thing that's going to change this world for the better, is when Israel, the U.S., and, and, and the Britons are defeated militarily. And the bricks rise up, and the third world rises up, because not just the Palestinians, the whole world has had quite enough of this shit. And that's why, yeah, there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of backlash, there's a lot of people who are just we don't know what to do. No, what can we do?
0: No, I can, hear the frust- I can hear the frustration. I can't frust- blame them. No, I, say. I can hear the frustration in your voice. But the the, the this this is not I, this is what I believe. The, the United States and its let's call them its partners in Great Britain and in France and in the European Union they're not going to be defeated militarily i mean they're not 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 you don't with, know that not well i wouldn't not, say that but, well let, let me put we let me let, let me put an except they they wouldn't be beaten i don't think militarily without the deployment of nuclear weapons and if they start firing nuclear weapons if the russians or the Iranians or the Israelis who, who've got plenty—they don't acknowledge it, but they have plenty. If they start deploying these weapons, well, then it's game over for everybody. So,
2: oh well, yeah, and they might because they're nuts. So don't count it out. But you know, there's a good case actually to be made that they're already being defeated militarily. When time? When's the last time the U.S. won a war, Richie? You know, we certainly didn't win Vietnam. We certainly didn't win yeah. Korea because we got North Korea. We certainly didn't win in Afghanistan, where we left them all these weapons that could later go to Hamas. Uh, we certainly didn't win in Iraq. Um, you know, uh, the, the Iraqis are basically wanting us to leave now. The prime minister's announced that he wants the United States to leave. He's finally announced that. Um, we, we didn't win. Uh, where do we win? And where, did we win in Russia? Did with Ukraine? Did we be defeat the Russians with our Ukrainian proxy army? of mafia drug trafficking people know uh, is Israel winning in Gaza? No, they're not winning. They haven't accomplished any of their strategic goals. None of them. They've just murdered 25,000 people for no reason and leveled the infrastructure of an entire population. But they haven't won and they won't win against Hezbollah if they decide to open a war against Hezbollah, which is now they're belligerently, of course, talking about because they're always the aggressor. They're always the belligerent. They're always the one that that shoots first. These are shoot-first kind of people. They're shoot-first kind of people. They're the ones with fear, and they're shoot-at-the-very-last-resort kind of people, and those are the ones with love. But now we're at a point in the world, 2024, hell of a year last year. Yeah, should be great this year, too. But the only chance we have is if the people rise up under the bricks umbrella and defeat this thing militarily and economically, crash the dollar, But I'm telling you, there's no other... If we don't do this, these people are going to just take us all out because we're next. We're the next Palestinians.
0: that, That I don't disagree with. But could it be that winning wars was never the objective? Bear with me for a second here. You're right. They ran out of Vietnam after nearly 4 million people died with their tails between their legs. We've still got the footage of them jumping onto the helicopters. Of course, they killed several million people in Iraq and Afghanistan, and then eventually they left seemingly fleeing, again, hopping onto the helicopters and running and leaving people behind. But maybe, and an old mutual friend of ours, Jim Mars, God rest him, and mutual friends of ours like David Icke, they would argue that maybe people like us, not you, people like me, maybe are naive, um, in that the objective was never to win. The objective was to cause unimaginable carnage and chaos. And out of the chaos, then, you get to manipulate people because people become more malleable, more suggestible when the world is in constant chaos. And if they are more malleable and suggestible, you can sell them on the technocratic revolution, the dystopian Great Reset. So maybe winning wars is not really an objective, maybe. Maybe maybe politicians think it is, but they're being controlled. Maybe soldiers think it is, maybe generals. Yeah, we've got to win here. But in reality, those who really pull the strings—they don't care about winning. It's all about chaos. What about that as an argument?
2: No, it's true. I mean, that's that's definitely true. There's no doubt about it. Um, war, again, you know, my big old book, Edward Wilson. You war, wrote about in it. prison, hangout guy. War is business, and business is good. That's the primary objective of war. It's it's war. And it's depopulation. You know, it's all about killing the women of wild, childbearing age, and it's all about making money for Raytheon, which is where lloyd austin our defense secretary was the ceo but right before he was our defense secretary so of course this is the fallback this is the military industrial complex kicking in again because the fourth industrial revolution has been a total failure but we have to understand the failures of these these things too because you know th- that might be their plan is total chaos and that might be their but but you know what did what are they going to gain out of uh, the, the current defeat in ukraine You know, I just I scratched my head about that. So just because they want it that way, just because they don't care if they win or lose, doesn't mean they can't win or lose. These people can't just defy the, the, you know, the laws of nature just because they say they defy the laws of nature. You know, just because they put it on TV screen that they're omnipotent every day and they're always going to win doesn't mean they're always going to win. And they don't always win. And they've been losing pretty steady now. I mean, Israel has the lowest support in the world you talk about people throwing out israeli ambassadors wouldn't it be nice well actually most of them are most of the world is most of the world has become increasingly anti-israeli now with this blatant disregard for human life and these these constant war crimes i mean south africa just took israel to the u.n uh, That's right. criminal courts yeah. for war crimes because they got some sense you know and, and nelson mandela's son is a MP in South Africa. And I heard him speaking and, and and just listen to him sometime. He's a militant. He's like, let's arm the Palestinians. Let's help these people. That's the way, you know, most of the world thinks. So they are being defeated. That's why they're desperate. That's why, you know, all this chaos is being created because they know that, first of all, they know that we're onto them and that we know who they are and we know what their names are. And second of all, their economic Ponzi scheme is fragile to say the least and near collapse and the only way they're keeping it going is the Fed and BlackRock buying a fifth of the housing stock in, this, in the United States and turned into rentals
0: yeah.
3: and
2: squeezing the average person with with high rents and high house prices and things like that and, and, and war and so they're you know once the war machine gets shut down And the only way it'll get shut down is just if it's totally defeated, because we don't have it in America. We don't have it in the West anymore. We don't have the the bravery. We don't have the, the intellectual prowess we used to have. We don't have the edge. We don't have it. We just don't have it anymore. We're empire people and we don't have it anymore. So we're always complaining and we're always sick and it's always about our shit. Nobody else's shit. We don't talk about anybody else's shit. It's always our shit right? Always. That's all, all people do anymore because they can, because they live in an empire feeding out like parasites out the rest of the world. Once that ends, that parasite thing ends, once we're brought to our knees economically and militarily, then, then, but it only can happen from outside. It's only going to happen from the global South and Russia, China, India, Indonesia, Nigeria, all of which are in the BRICS and the BRICS is getting bigger every year. And the dollar, once the dollar, once the interest rates start going up in the U.S., which I think has happened, and if there's military cracks in Israel, and there is, then the dollar is going to start declining. And I think 2024, the biggest story is going to be the BRICS and and, and basically the development of an alternative to the Bretton Woods financial system, an alternative to SWIFT, which the Iranians were just talking about the other day, used to be Russia. Russia and China are now trading in their, their own currencies for their commodities strictly. And they're going to find a way to do this. They just need a lot of capital. It takes a while because these assholes got all the capital. But they're going to find a way to do it, and, and we're going to be able to defeat these people. And, and don't ever think that they can't be defeated. The problem because, I have,
0: the it, problem I have know. with this, right? Uh, by the way, Dean Henderson is our guest. Uh, DeanHenderson.substack.com. Dean's former political candidate, public speaker, broadcaster, huge, very highly regarded in the um, independent media um, as it is and has been uh, appearing on my programs uh, ever since I did a TV show in London back in 2013. Listen, if this is a, a debate, our listeners have sided with you. Um, they, they. I'm not going to swear at my listeners. There's no loyalty anymore in this game. There's no loyalty. What a shower of bastards. They're agreeing with you, basically. Uh, Bob says, uh, Dean speaks a harsh truce. They keep progressing to genocide, giving us things to debate about while they continue to grab land while we discuss, is it okay to slaughter kids? What a world, says Bob. There's loads of these that agree with you. Dean is right, says Sasha, as they do not want a two-state solution. Anyway, it was never a viable solution and it could only ever mean apartheid. It's impossible to divide up the land. The only real chance of peace is take down all the borders and make a proper secular democracy. It won't happen though because Zionism can't allow that. That's from Sasha. There's loads of these. Tony says if Israel can't defeat Hezbollah and Hezbollah's aim is to eliminate the state of Israel why don't Hezbollah invade Israel? Now, I just want to pick Dean up on something he said in the time we have left about the BRICS countries and that being you, you know, a possible solution to all of this. My, my, I have this thing, and you know this because you do. I know on occasion when you've got nothing else to do, when you're so bored, you'll even listen to the Richie Allen show. I know that you listen <laughs> once in on a blue moon, right? So you know, right. you know that it's my opinion that they're all controlled by somebody. So the Chinese, the Russians, you know Putin and the Junior W F program and all of that. I believe that somehow they're all controlled by the hidden. Now, I might be wrong. Now, this is just a, a belief system. So, so you talk about these countries getting fed up of America and Israel, and yeah, of course they are. And I love all that, but I, I wouldn't want to live under the Chinese regime. I would not want to live under Putin's regime in Russia, and I certainly wouldn't want to live in Iran, whereby. And I see these videos, they're not fake, you know, some, some are, but, but I've been around the block where people are hung in public centres and public squares for very, you know, innocuous things. Guys hung on the back of pickup trucks, you know, because they said the wrong thing or because they um, are, are adulterers or, or, or whatever. It's, it's all tyranny to me wherever I looked in. That's the point I'd like to make. I'd like to make it very simply. It's not a very intellectual point, but I think the point stands. You look at China. You look at these places. I don't want to live under these people. What say you?
2: Well, you know, yeah. I mean, they've all they've all emulated the the system. They've all you know they've all adopted a lot of bad things. Um, again, the Chinese situation. I mean, you, you know, you can look at China two years ago, or you can look at China today. And again, it's a lot different situation. I've been to China. It's it's you know it's not i mean it's not horrible the 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 technology got yeah accelerated they were they were basically the test case for the technology i mean i I still think the bloodline wanted to basically drop the u.s and go to china as their protector and also create this precedent in china with all this high-tech surveillance and all this stuff but xi jinping if you follow closely is changing all that he's going after he's gone after Jack Liu Lew. Jack Liu's the head of Alibaba which is the Amazon of China right the biggest tech company in China nobody knows where Jack Liu's at so they've taken him in they they're taking in a lot of uh, oligarchs they're taking in a lot of tech executives they were they're not talking to our military the US military um Xi Jinping has made several statements about how China has to return to communism which they got away from under Deng Xiaoping, and Deng Xiaoping was the guy that brought in all this surveillance, that brought in all this crazy stuff, and his successors, and and that brought in Walmart to basically raise up the Chinese economy. And so the Chinese, you know, in my opinion, saw what happened with the World Military Games. They were attacked by the U.S. military with the virus, or a parasite, or 5G, or a combination of the three at Wuhan. When it was turned on, and when the lab, where the lab was, and Fauci and Farrar and the Welcome Trust, they saw it. I mean, that they they knew they were being attacked at that point, and they knew that the the deal was over now. Like so, the deal was, you know, we'll raise your country up, we'll give you a middle class. You offer your labor for cheap, be exploited. Walmart gains, West gains. We get all this cheap stuff. That's over. That's finished. That's why the supply chain thing happened. That's why. You know things are more expensive that's the bottom the the main reason things are more expensive other than the fact there's two companies that control every industry is the fact that china is not playing ball anymore and so again you have to things change you know I, i don't like china 10 years ago either i don't like the way it was going but my understanding is china's taking a different direction and it's pretty drastic because they saw that they were being attacked and again, no, no, no country's perfect. I don't want to live under any tyranny. I'm an anarchist. Yeah, I, I want to live enough. free. But look at what it did to but, its people
0: during COVID, the Chinese. Look at what it did to its people yeah. during COVID.
2: Well, yeah, and, and it was bad. And it's just, it's, you know, they they lost a lot less people than we lost, and um, you know, they felt like I think they felt like they were being attacked. So it was probably looked looked a lot worse to us because we didn't understand. See, that's what people didn't understand. People didn't understand that the Chinese that you know didn't they they knew they were being attacked by the U.S. military with something. And so, you know, yeah, it was bad. It was wrong. I mean, it was wrong everywhere. But, you know, just to, to say that our country cares about us any more than the Chinese no, care right. about anybody else. Absolutely. Or yeah. to say that, you know, one tyranny is better than another tyranny. They're not. None of them are good. But. There just has to be uh there just has to be rogue nations i don 't care where they come yeah. from um, governments around the, the world Not, none of that of line
0: human beings don 't need governments here's here 's the problem. Well, I mean, whether it's China, whether it's Tibet, whether it's Hong Kong, whether it's Great Britain or the United States, the problem is governments. And the problem is governments controlled by, as you said, the City of London, the Crown Corporation, the bloodlines. And nobody has done better than, than you over the years in writing and explaining about this. It's governments we don't need. I never thought I'd say that as an old uh, socialist, an old lefty, an old trade unionist. I always thought, you know, we've got to have governments. and No, we don't need governments. We might need some men and some women with half a brain to keep Keep the trains running on time, and to keep um you know the gas flowing into homes so that we can heat our homes. And of course, we need to keep general law and order. We we genuinely need to have people to keep an eye out so that the big people, so that the strong people can't um, abuse the weak and steal their stuff. But outside of that, we don't need yeah. governments. We do not need. Go- I mean, I say yeah. this all the time, and you've you've been saying this ever since I've known you. When will it finally dawn on people? And this is the final question because we're going to run out of time. They come to you every election cycle, the bastards. They come to you, whether it's America, Britain, France, Israel. They come to you and they say, listen, vote for us. We're going to build more schools. We're going to build more hospitals. We're going to tax you less, and it's all going to be hunky-dory. And we, not you, not me, but we collectively, we fall for that and we say, oh, that's lovely. They sound really good. That's a good manifesto. And we go and give them our vote. Within six months of getting into power, they're getting involved in conflicts overseas where children in their tens of thousands are being blown to pieces in Gaza and in Yemen. When will it occur to people, Dean? I didn't fucking vote for that. You told me you'd build more schools and more hospitals. What the fuck are you doing in Gaza? What are you doing in Yemen? What are you doing in the Far East? I mean, when will it hit people in the face, Dean? You know? Yeah, I
2: mean, you tell me because I have no idea. The only thing I know is that, yeah, okay, you can, you can blame the, the crown, and you should, you should, and we've done all that. We've identified, we've connected all those dots for everybody. You can say that that's the problem. But you know what the real problem is, Richie? It's the obedience of the people to that evil entity and the subservience of the people to that evil entity and their willingness to, to go along with it, to capitulate, to put up with it. That's the, that's the bigger problem. And that's the challenge. And that's why I think we're probably here as human beings is to overcome that challenge, to figure that one out, to figure out that riddle that actually, you know, you're you're a sovereign individual. You have you can you know, you are free. You're born free. No state has the right to give you freedom. You've already got it. You've already got it. You've already got your innate human rights. And just on government, I mean, yeah, okay, government, you know, there's a place for it. There's I mean, I'm not an extremist either. I'm not stupid. You got to have government for certain things. But the problem is the governments now is the privatization of those governments and the corporatization so that there is no government for the people. So the government will meet out resources to the rich and to the corporations that they own incessantly and without pause. But the government has nothing for the average people. So I believe that we have to go to a socialist system where you take the wealth of the rich first. And then you have to have that maybe for a little while. And then like as Gaddafi knew, such a wise man, then you can melt away the state completely and go to anarchy. But there has to be a phase of government confiscating the wealth, reconfiscating, re-redistributing the the wealth that was stolen from us that we need to get back. We don't, we're not asking for much. We just want that stuff you stole back, you know? And, 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 you know, so that's where government is gonna have to do something first before there's no government. And that's just the reality as I see it. I don't see how you get there any other way because right now the rich control the government and they use it to their advantage, which is not the public sector or the public interest, which is a private contractor sector of the economy and the billionaire hedge fund class that sucks all this wealth up, you know, buy seven or eight homes in different parts of the world and starves out the public sector, starves out the infrastructure, starves out everything. There's nothing public anymore. We've gone to the right since Reagan and Thatcher steadily, you know, and and it's just not worked. okay. and that's what I'm I'm ready for. Some of these right wing conspiracy people, though, just wake the fuck up and go, yeah, it didn't work. I'm not going to be scared of communism anymore. I'm not going to go hide under the bed when you say the word communism anymore. I'm going to be a big boy and we can talk about maybe like a mixed economy or something like that, where adults would talk about. Because this is the bigger part of the problem. It's the obedience. And the, some of the most obedient people are these people that cling to free market economics yeah. as the solution. No doubt. After 40 years of failure and 40 years of your life, your standard of living going down and you still talk about it in glowing terms like it's exactly, you know, some kind of nirvana from heaven. It's such stupidity. It's ridiculous.
0: I debated I debated some well-known anarcho capitalist a few years ago and... I was really disappointed because I like a good challenge. You know, I like to be pulled apart on mm. my own mm. arguments as as you mm. did as you did Me this too. hour to your credit but um, yeah, they, they, they had nothing. They did no comeback really. You know, this idea mm. that if we just let the um, corporations run right and we deregulate them, everything will be fine. I mean, piss right off. Don't start with that. Hey, listen, we, we're bang up on time, right? Um, so we, we've got a part company today. Maybe next time we'll talk about the mixed economy. Dean's on as substack.com look for substack.com forward slash at Dean Henderson substack.com forward slash at Dean Henderson I will of course put the link on the podcast notes and um, thanks for uh, coming on while you're on a break with uh, Jill I really appreciate that number one number two thanks for being you and number three uh, give Jill a hug and wish her a happy new year for us and until next time pal I'll give you the final word 30 seconds um, thanks again
2: Okay, I'll same back at you, Richie. Um, disagree, agree. I love you, brother, and keep up the good work. And uh, thanks for having me. And uh, you guys take care over there. Stay safe, stay strong.
0: Thank you, Dean. Dean Henderson, great friend of ours, wonderful writer. Uh, check him out. Uh, his books are available on Amazon.com. Look for Dean Henderson. Uh, Big oil. I could name all the books. They're amazing. Substack.com forward slash at Dean Henderson. Thanks to Dean. That's it for the program. Thanks for listening. Thank you to Karen Churchill. And good luck to Karen in her litigation against the Health Secretary and the Communities and Leveling Up Secretary, taking them on for, for not um, you know uh, f- for the complete lack of commitment or interest in safety while rolling out 5G in this country. Closing out with some Steve Earle. Until tomorrow, uh, the papers will be online very early tomorrow morning. The Richie Allen Show will be on air tomorrow at 4 o'clock UK time. All right. Until tomorrow, bye from me. Bye now.